You're listening to the Misty Creek Community Church Podcast. To learn more about Misty Creek Community Church, visit our website at mistycreekchurch.org. Today's message is from Senior Pastor Stephen Street. The main reason that we gather every Sunday together is to seek first the kingdom of God. Matthew 6 reminds us, Seek ye first the kingdom of God, and all these things shall be added unto you. Knock, and the door shall be opened. Are you knocking? If you're knocking, he will open the door. And his story will become your story. And that's the series that we're in. We started week before last in a brand new series. And last week we took a break for the bluegrass service. And we had a, a telling of the prodigal son story. And you learned a lot of things you probably didn't know. And I think you'll learn some things in this series that you didn't know. So we have, we have this graphic up here. You like that? Sherry Allen created that graphic for me. I, I gave her a rough drawing, and she took it to another whole level. So thank you for that, Sherry. So let me explain it to you briefly. You're going to see this graphic a lot. You like visual aids? I do. And so creation. Many of us know about the creation story in Genesis and how God created in six days, and the seventh day he rested, and then he created man and woman, male and female, in his image. And we know all about that and how, you know, they ended up sinning in the the, the Garden of Eden, and they tasted of the forbidden fruit. And so sin entered into the world. And, and so creation, which was to be perfect, ended up being flawed because of humanity and the decisions made by the first man and the first woman. And so we, we've been in this, this stage of decreation for quite a while. Decreation. And that image has been marred because sin has entered in. And humanity continues to have idols and continues to give in to the self or the flesh desires. And even though God presents himself in very obvious ways, humanity continues to deny God and put other things and people before God. We see that happening in our world today. Not really any different. And I could go through the whole chronology of the Bible, but I'm not going to do that at this time. But where we're heading is to this recreation, where in Revelation we are told that he is making all things new, and he's renewing old things. How about that? You like that? He's renewing. Man, I'm feeling pretty old. Stephen sure would like for him to renew me. Well, he's in the business of renewing our minds and our spirits. And as we're reminded in Romans 12, where he says, therefore... No longer, no longer surrender to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's perfect, pleasing will is for your life. So we're going to spend some time finding out how we got to this point in our world today, how humanity is continuing to search endlessly in the wrong direction for happiness and for meaning and purpose and fulfillment and love and peace. And, you know, they're taught. We're taught. Humanity's taught. You realize that the culture preaches to us. The culture teaches and has a message that's in opposition of what God wants us to know and what he's teaching us. And the voice of the world, the voice of the culture is a very, very loud voice today. And we're constantly plugged into that voice of the world, constantly plugged into the culture, most likely through technology and our devices. And so that's where we spend a lot of our time. If not, think about this. You may say, oh, I don't do that. Check out on your phone how much screen time you've had this past week. I'm embarrassed to tell you how much mine 
shows. A lot. You say, well, Stephen, you're a pastor. You're constantly available. You're counseling. You know, you, you provide care. You're in hospice and all that sort of thing. Yes, but I'm like many folks. I like to go on social media quite often. And a lot of what I post, scripture and devotions and stuff about the church, but yet I do spend a lot of time. And then I end up sometimes mindlessly scrolling through things and, and watching videos and things. And, and I really don't need to do that. It's really a waste of my time, but yet it draws me in. And maybe you find yourself as a, a victim of society, a victim of the culture. And there's a way out of that. So just hold on with me for a few moments. So if you listen to the culture and the preaching of the world, you may hear this message that if you know more, do more, give more, serve more, sacrifice more, if you work harder, work smarter, if you pray more, read more, sing more, jump more, cry more, laugh more, attend more, if you focus on modifying and adapting and improving and bettering self, then you will have more and you'll find yourself. And there's all sorts of books out there written on finding yourself, a whole slew of them. And many of you have listened to those podcasts and you've read those, those habits, you know, the book of habits, the seven habits. You've read all that stuff, not knocking that. You spent a lot of your life. And if you added up all the time you spent reading and listening to these self-help guides, it would be a lot of your time spent on doing that. And you still are disappointment, disappointed and discontent. None of these things that you're reading about give you what you really need. Not in this world and in the next. So this passage of Scripture that Steve read so wonderfully, you know, this message of the cross, this message of Christ, this message of giving yourself away and sacrifice is foolishness to many people. The people that don't believe and even some people that do believe, it's offensive and it's even foolishness because it diagnoses humanity's problems not as the things they do, but as their very self. It isn't our cheating and our lying and our sexual immorality and our addictions and our anger and our violence and our materialism that condemn us to eternal damnation. These things are the fruit of the root problem, a corrupted self, also known as a corrupted spirit, a corrupted heart, that sort of thing. So while many churches and Christians work with the world as if the remedy to humanity's problems is their thoughts, their words, and behaviors, and so lean into a kind of religious psychotherapy and behavioral modification, which can be linked to the ripping the apples off a tree and hoping it grows oranges, the gospel is clear that the problem isn't the fruit of attitudes, words, and behaviors, but the root from which that fruit grows, self. To say it another way, every human being's identity has been hijacked and misaligned and anchored to the wrong origin story, the Imago Dei, being created in the image of God, who God created us to be in the first place. Somewhere in you is the you he created you to be, that inside reality of his spirit being within you, that he molded you, made you in his image, wants to come out so that others can see his goodness through you. They don't really want to see you. Really don't want to hear you. They want to hear and see God through you. So you have a huge responsibility to be his witnesses in this world. So in this hijacked state, self, 
is going to crash and burn every time. Jesus made clear the remedy is not mere modification, adaptation, or improvement, be it irreligious or religious. The gospel remedy, the only remedy, is death. It's death. It's to dig deep, cut, and remove the root of sin self and plant a new root. Some passages for reference would be Ezekiel chapter 11, verse 19, 11 verses 36 and 26, which says to us to be born again, made a new creature. As we hear from Paul in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, we are new creatures in Christ. The old is gone, the new bursts forth. The old self must die so that this new life can live. This goes way beyond modification and enters into transformation, a metamorphosis where we will never be the same. It is to be crucified with Christ and resurrected anew with Him. According to the gospel, if we really want to find ourselves and the love, joy, peace, meaning, purpose, and fulfillment that goes with it, then we must be willing to surrender that corrupted, distorted perversion of the self to rule and work of Jesus as Lord and Master who alone can transform us. We must surrender self, all of us, our selfish nature to Jesus Christ. Die to ourselves and live for Him. The gospel isn't about a better you. Everything else is about a better you. Eat this. Do this exercise. Meditate. All righty then. Okay, maybe you're into that. It's okay, I'm not knocking any of that. But the gospel isn't about a better you. It's about a whole new you. A whole new you. As a church, are we clear with people what Jesus has us and has invited us into? Are we clear on his expectations? Or are we simply inviting people to an easy or hard, moralistic, religious, psychotherapy, behavioral modification group where the goal is to produce more people like ourselves? Look at me. Don't you want to look like me? Don't you want to act like me? Don't you want to dress like me? No, I don't. Thank you so much. I'm still not adapted to the 21st century preacher. I am not going to wear skinny jeans. I'm not. You don't want me to, so I'm not going to do it. If people are coming to church because of the skinny jeans, there's something tragically wrong. If they're coming to church because they like the French vanilla latte, there's something wrong with that. There's more to it than that, folks. God brings you here so that you can have an authentic encounter with his spirit. He has something to say to you. He wants to challenge you. He wants to transform you more and more into his likeness. He wants to recreate in you and renew you. He's making all things new. So as a church, what are we doing? Are we clear that a win, W-I-N, a win, success, to find oneself according to Jesus is to lose it and die. Let me be very clear how we got here, and I'm just going to spend a few minutes on this. Many young people today, 
And I'm speaking of all the generations that would be pretty much younger than my generation, okay? They don't really have an example to follow. I've actually had young people from the current three generations, including my own children, tell me, Dad, our generation is in trouble. It is in trouble. Some of the young people at Sunday school told me that. Oh, you just don't know, Pastor Stephen. Our generation is just being destroyed, brainwashed, all this kind of thing. I'm like, whoa. That's why I thought it was appropriate for us to continue this series. The story you live in is the story that you live out. So I'm going to tell you something real brief here. Our nephew, Grayson, he's in graduate school at Clemson. He's brilliant. He just got a job in Washington, D.C. at John Hopkins in AI. Do you know what AI is? Artificial intelligence. As my son said, Daddy, he's going to be making bank. And he was living with us because he had an internship here. And um, it was wonderful having him in our home. But while he was in our home, he observed our lifestyle. He observed our marriage. He saw the affection that Karen and I had for one another, how we loved each other, and I would kiss her every now and then, and he would see that. I'd pat her, you know, one of the five love languages, touch, right? And he would hear us say to one another, I love you. He'd hear us also say that we love the pets. I'm not so sure about that, but it's two cats. Um, and we're a grand dog sitting right now, by the way, if you didn't already know that. So it's like having a baby in the house, Marty. You don't get any sleep. Um, she, they had their little baby, Teddy, grandbaby, last night, and they haven't had much sleep, so we'll try to keep you awake over there. I'm snapping my fingers. Okay? And, and so he's observing our, our family and how we do things, and he's observing all the stuff we're involved in with the church, and he's amazed by it. He starts coming to church, and eventually, after the first few weeks, he would walk in after working all day long, and he's also a full-time student still, graduate school. He would walk in, put his keys down on the counter, just like we do in the same area, and he would say, it's good to be home. It's good to be home. And he made a brilliant observation. He said to me, he said, Uncle Stephen, he said, you're like my spiritual father. Bingo. That's what young people need. They need spiritual fathers and spiritual mothers who are willing to pour into them, not judge them, criticize them, throw them away, but listen to them and see them and hear them and not say, well, this is how our generation did it and I grew up like this. That's easy to do. But to know where they're coming from, do you know how many young people don't have stable homes, stable environments? That's how we've gotten here, folks. They don't have guidelines like many of you and I. We had guidelines. We, maybe we had to go to church. We were made to go to church. By the way, even though I may have felt like I was made, I always wanted to go when I was growing up. And it never was an option for me. My mom made sure even after I worked all night long, like 2 o'clock a.m. at a seafood restaurant, she made sure that I was in the car with her and daddy driving 22 miles one way to church every Sunday, and I sang in the choir and went back to the youth group that night. So 
there was an example that I followed. But today, that example may not be there. Matter of fact, I'm not sure it is. And so it's so important that we have spiritual mothers and spiritual fathers for our young people. You know, I didn't know I would go here quite yet, but I'm going to go here a little bit today. Sexuality is being celebrated in ways that tarnish the image of God. In our young people, but also in adults. There are certain groups, certain organizations that just are so explicit in nature. And our children, our young adults, they witness this. They see things that really tarnish the image of God in them. Young people, whether they get married or not, they're ending up losing the blessing that God wants them to have in the holy estate of matrimony. And I could spend a lot of time on that too. But we live in a time and age when so much of what we see and what we hear is part of the culture. We're desensitized. It doesn't really matter. But it does matter what we see, what we hear, what we digest. The story you live in is the story that you live out. I'm going to tell you a story. It's a quick story. Um, SJ and Melody, my, our children, they're, they're adults now pretty much. <laughs> one's 23 and one's 20. But when they were growing up, when they were younger, they needed me to come into their bedroom. And if I didn't lay in the bed with them, they needed me to at least lay beside them on the floor. They were afraid that there might be a monster under the bed, something in the closet. It's just what we did. And I would tell them stories and sing to them. And I started out with Melody because she was born first. And she grew out of that after a few years. SJ's going to kill me. <laughs> I won't tell you what age he was. But let me just say that I did that. And he welcomed it all the way until he was in high school. Not that he was scared, but he was so used to his daddy coming in there, laying on the floor. We talk about basketball. We talk about different things, but I'd always tell him a story, a biblical story, and I'd always close with prayer with him and with her. It was a special, special thing. And a lot of times, Karen would sleep by herself because I'd end up falling asleep on the floor. And I would wake up, and the sun is shining through the room. And I realized that the antidote to fear, the fear of darkness, is the presence of the Father. So I will never regret laying down on the floor. My back still hurts to this day. I've had two back surgeries, and I think it's because I laid on the floor. But I'll never regret doing that, spending that time with my kids. Tom Menifee's not going to ever regret going to all the lacrosse games and the practices that his son Jacob is involved in. He's going to cherish that, and he's going to be glad that he sat on those hard bleachers and made those long trips all over 
for college campus visits. But not every child has that. Not every kid has that. So what do we do as the church? We serve as those spiritual mothers and those spiritual fathers. I'm going to close out today with the story. You may have heard this story. But I want you to hold on to it because I believe it can make a difference in your life. There's a story of a new pastor. Just moved into the community and he wanted to get the word out to the community, the neighborhood, that he was the pastor and that the church was a community church. And so he had all these flyers made up and it just happened to be on a Saturday. And he woke up that morning and it was pouring down rain outside. And his little boy, like nine years old, comes into the room and says, all right, Dad, I'm ready to go with you to pass out the flyers. He said, son, it's pouring down rain. I don't feel that great. We're not going to pass the flyers out. And the son, he's so dejected, he says, Dad, we're not going to let rain stop us from sharing the love of God, are we? Mm, guilt trip. And the father says, I just don't feel like going out. Can I do it? Can I do it? Okay. So he says, yes. And he gives the son the flowers, and the son puts on his raincoat, and he heads outside to the streets. He started handing out these flowers in the village, in the neighborhood, everybody that he saw, walking in the rain and in the cold. And he had his last flyer in his hand. He stopped at a corner to see if he saw someone to give this last flyer to, but the streets were totally deserted. Then he turned and he saw this house. And he walked to the front door. He rang the doorbell several times and waited, but nobody came out. Finally, the boy turned to leave, but something stopped him. The child turned back to the door and began to ring the doorbell again and pound on the door over and over until his knuckles were sore. He kept waiting. Finally, finally, the door was slowly opened, and a lady came out with the most sad look on her face. And she asked, as she knelt down to him, What can I do for you, son? With his radiant eyes and a bright smile, the child said, Lady, I'm sorry if I upset you, but I want to tell you that God really loves you and that I came to give you my last, my last flyer, which talks about God and his great love. The boy gave her the flyer. She just said, thank you, son. God bless you. Well, that Sunday morning, the pastor was in the pulpit. And when the service began, he asked, does anyone have a testimony or, or something they want to share? Gently in the back row of the church, an older lady stood up. When she started talking, a radiant and glorious look sprouted from her eyes. Nobody in this church knows me, she said. I've never been here. Even last Sunday, I was not a Christian. My husband died a while ago, leaving me totally alone in this world. Last Sunday was a particularly cold and rainy day, and it was so cold and lonely in my heart that I felt like I had come to the end of the road, and I didn't want to live anymore. So I took a chair and a rope, and I went up to the attic of my house. I tied a noose 
and the other end of the rope to the rafters of the roof. And then I climbed onto a chair and put the rope around my neck. Then I stood on the chair, so alone and heartbroken. I was about to throw myself off that chair when suddenly I heard the loud sound of the door being knocked on. Over and over, this knock and this ringing at the door. So I thought, I'll wait for a minute, and whoever it is will go away. She says, I waited and waited and waited, but the door, the door knocking got louder and louder and got so distracting, I couldn't ignore it anymore. So I wondered, who could it be? No one ever comes to my door or comes to visit me. I released the rope from my neck and went to the door while the bell was still ringing and the door was still being knocked on. When I opened the door, I couldn't believe what my eyes saw. In front of my door was the most radiant and angelic child I had ever seen. His smile, oh, his smile, I could never describe it. The words that came out of his mouth melted my heart. They were words that I needed to hear, which had been so dead so long. When he said with his voice, the voice of a chairman, he said, Lady, I just want to tell you that God really loves you. When the little angel disappeared between the cold and the rain, I closed my door and I read every word of that flyer. Then I went to the attic to remove the chair and the rope. I didn't need them anymore. As you see, now I am a happy daughter of the king. Since the direction of the boy when he left was to his church, I came personally to say thank you to the little angel of God who came just in time to rescue my life from an eternity of hell and replaced it with eternity in God's presence. Everyone cried in the church. The pastor came down from the pulpit to the first bench where the little boy was sitting. He took his son in his arms and he cried uncontrollably. Can you picture that scene? Remember, God's message, God's story can make a difference in someone's life. But it cannot. It will not unless you tell the story. To tell his story. Never be afraid to spread the love of God. And remember... The story you live in is the story you live out. Let us pray. Lord, our hope is only in you. We trust you. We trust you to use us as your vessels. We surrender to you. All the influences of the culture and the world that seem to lead to dead-end roads. And we look to you, the author, creator, perfecter, pioneer of our faith. We need you.
We need you to help us be the spiritual mothers and fathers that this world so desperately needs. And Lord, for this generation and other generations, Lord, we pray for an indwelling of your Holy Spirit to rewrite the stories that have frustrated and separated your humanity from you for so long. Come quickly, Lord Jesus. Come into our hearts and the hearts of all humankind. We pray this in the name of Jesus and all God's children said, Amen. We hope you were inspired by today's message. For more sermons from Misty Creek Community Church, be sure to subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you like to stream your podcasts. You can also watch videos of our sermons and complete services on the Misty Creek Community Church YouTube channel. And while you're there, be sure to like, subscribe, and hit the notification bell. For more information about our church, including our mission, location, service times, and more, visit our website at mistycreekchurch.org. God bless you, and thank you for listening.